Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to a Wednesday edition, a November 17th edition of the We Tackle Life podcast. I'm Bruce Hooley. Nice to be with you. I just got too swamped on Monday. Big week, big week for the Hooley family. Uh, If you watch my social media, you know that on Tuesday was my daughter's national signing day for soccer. She's going to Huntington University in Indiana, Division II school. Uh, She kind of made up her mind a long time ago. Other schools recruited her, some D1s, some D2s. And uh, once her uh, academics kind of crystallized, a lot more D1 schools. Uh, But she loves Huntington, and we're very happy with uh, her situation at Huntington. And so... I just didn't get around to doing one Monday, and I apologize because heaven knows there was plenty there with the Cleveland Browns and their loss to the New England Patriots. So we'll get into it today. Appreciate all of you joining us. Remember to patronize our friends at Hemisphere Coffee Roasters. HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com is the website. Get 15% off when you use the promo code WETACKLELIFE in all caps. WETACKLELIFE in all caps. That's the place to get it done. And they have delicious coffee, of course. They have a wonderful chocolate or chocolate-like products because they're not really chocolate. It's, you know, cocoa is the cover crop that shades the coffee plants. And um, yet it's non-GMO, gluten-free, sugar-free, all the frees you want, except free to buy because it's not free to buy, but you get a big, big, big break on the cost when you use the promo code WETACKLELIFE in all caps. All right, let's get to Ohio State first of all. Oh, they play Michigan State. Oh, mighty, 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 mighty Michigan State. Look, how many times does Ohio State have to play a team in the Big Ten that people fear? Indiana? Blowout. Penn State? Mm, Pretty comfortable win. Uh, Nebraska on the road? Watch out. Were they ever really in danger? Eh, For about two seconds. When C.J. Stroud's fumble was on the ground, before uh, an offensive lineman from OSU dove on it. Um, How about last week? Were they in danger against mighty Purdue, 19th-ranked Purdue, giant killer Purdue? No, they were not. They will not be in danger on Saturday against the fraud that is the Michigan State Spartans. Kenneth Walker's a good player. Um, I get it. Mel Tucker's doing a nice job there. I don't know if he's doing a nice enough job that he'll decide he wants to stay instead of go to LSU or Washington or any of the other places that Mel Tucker will most assuredly be approached about becoming the coach for, but he's not winning in Ohio Stadium. He's not. And I don't think that Ohio State will lose another game until, if and until, the college football playoff, because I'm certainly not sitting here predicting that they're going to lose in the college football playoff. But this is my problem with the college football playoff rankings, is that we have assigned a predetermined value to teams that play in a certain league because they have a long history in that league. And that's not at all how we are supposed to look at the college football playoff. Yeah, this is my weekly rant about Cincinnati getting screwed over in the college football playoff rankings. But we assume Michigan State is good. Why? Now, I know I've said on this podcast... Hey, watch out. Michigan State's no, not not the team we thought. We thought they were a middle-of-the-road team in the Big Ten. Penn State's better. Michigan's better. Ohio State's better. Well, that may not be true. We know they're better than Michigan. They beat them. They play Penn State later, and they play Ohio State. But Ohio State will prove they are way better than Michigan State on Saturday because Ohio State just has too much to stop. Michigan State's defense, very good. 
but you got to guard against Travion Henderson, and you got to guard against Jeremy Ruckert, and you got to guard against on and on and on and on Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave and Jackson Smith and Jigba, and on and on and on. And so Michigan State's not going to be able to do that. Only an elite team is going to be able to do that. Jalen Naylor, the Spartan offense, they're not going to put up enough points to win that game. Now, could Ohio State fumble five times? Sure. But it will take a, here's one of my favorite words, anomaly for Michigan State to be in that game and certainly to win that game. All right. But yet... We look at Michigan State and say, well, it's Michigan State. And so they automatically have to be a better team than Cincinnati, or they automatically have to be a better team than somebody else because, wow, they got the Spartan pedigree and Bubba Smith played there. And, you know, um, uh, the kid from Central Ohio who's now uh, pretty much at the twilight of his NFL career running Le'Veon Bell, Le'Veon Bell running back for the Steelers played there. Oh, they got all these players I've heard of. And I've never heard of anybody who went to the Cincinnati, who went to Cincinnati, not Travis Kelsey, not Jason Kelsey, really. But at any rate, we just, we esteem Michigan state and Michigan, by the way, Michigan is way up in the college football playoff rankings based on what, based on what Michigan sixth, Come on, give me a break. Ole Miss would beat Michigan. I'm not so sure BYU wouldn't beat Michigan. They'd beat them at home. Texas A&M would annihilate Michigan. Uh, who else? Not Wake Forest, not Oklahoma State. They're frauds. Baylor? Baylor and Michigan? That would be a shootout. That would be who could inept each other more at the end. So, And Cincinnati would beat Michigan handily. I have no doubt about that. So, sure, I'm making a bold statement, just like other people are making a bold statement, but I just do not believe in Michigan State. And, you know, we're going to find out about Michigan. They play at Maryland. They better pay attention. They better pay attention. They should go into Maryland, and they should beat Maryland handily. Will they go into Maryland and beat Maryland handily? Mm, Wouldn't surprise me if they struggled. So that's where we are as mighty Michigan State comes into Ohio Stadium to take on the Buckeyes. I saw a poll this week that C.J. Stroud was the front runner for the Heisman Trophy. Um, well, he'll have the opportunity. I'll say that. He's going to get the big TV stage against Michigan State and Michigan. Uh, will that catapult C.J. Stroud to winning the Heisman? <laughs> i got to tell you, the first thing I thought when I saw, ooh, C.J. Stroud, front runner for Heisman, I thought the first thing Ohio State fans, many of them, are going to see or think when they see that is, uh-oh, that means Quinn Ewers is going to transfer. <laughs> because, of course, Quinn Ewers, having never played, is somebody you can't afford to lose. But the guy who would be your quarterback, have another year left, and be good enough to actually be considered the front-runner Heisman would be somebody where you go, eh, I wouldn't mind him leaving if it means Quinn Ewers would stay. That's the mindset of people who are imprisoned by five-star and four-star ratings. Okay, Uh, let's talk about the Browns for a second. Wow, wow, is there a lot there. You know, what's really interesting is after the Browns got just absolutely pounded at New England, the narrative is, oh, Baker Mayfield's terrible. Or, man, the coaching staff is terrible. Which This is the first time, I think, that people have said anything about Kevin Stefanski not being, like, the greatest thing since Jim Brown. Um, 
look, Kevin Stefanski didn't get stupid in a week. Uh, his defense that played great against the Bengals, Joe Wood's defense that played great against the Bengals, Joe Wood didn't forget how to coach football in a week. <laughs> Sometimes the other team is just better than you. Sometimes the other team is healthier than you. Sometimes the other team happens to have a much better game plan for you. And sometimes all three of those things are true at the same time. And when all three of those things are true at the same time, the result looks an awful lot like New England 41, Browns 16. Mac Jones played great. Josh McDaniels called a great game. The Patriots clearly were more motivated for whatever reason. I don't know if because Belichick got, you know, run out of Cleveland. I don't know. But it was a blowout. And that's not very often something you see in the National Football League. So we'll see uh, how that goes. Actually, 41-16 to 16 was the score of the Bengals and the Browns game the week before. So uh, I, uh, I digress on that one. But your Cleveland Browns now are, um, you know, kind of limping along. And if you're limping along, it's good to play the Detroit Lions. The score of the Browns game was worse than 41-16. to It was 45-7. to Oh, man. Wow, that's even worse than I thought. But the Brownies get the Detroit Lions. The red-hot Detroit Lions, by the way, coming off their first non-loss of the season. Yeah! You go, Spiels. You got them up, baby. The Detroit Lions tied the Pittsburgh Steelers, and now they'll be going after a win over the Cleveland Browns. And if they get it, uh, I'll be happy for my man Spielman. I'll be super happy for my man Chris Spielman, now number three in the Lions organization. But that would just about uh, burn the Cleveland uh, corporation limits to the ground if that happened, if they get beat by a winless football team. We'll see. Don't think it'll happen. What's going on with Baker Mayfield? All right, here's what I do with Baker Mayfield, okay? Baker Mayfield's all kinds of banged up. Foot hurts, shoulder hurts, knee hurts, and my head hurts when I think about the Browns possibly giving Baker Mayfield franchise money because he's in the fifth year of his contract. I saw a video clip of my old work colleague, Tony Rizzo, going, going full Rizzo on his show about what's wrong with you idiots who are rooting against Baker Mayfield. Uh, Riz, the, the strength of ESPN Cleveland when I was there was that we had a bunch of different hosts, all of who I think were very talented, and all of whom came at their job a little bit differently. And Tony is a, a native, uh, you know, Clevelander. Not, not. I mean, grew up, I think, in uh, the mean streets of Middleburg Heights, as he used to say. But... Tony comes at it more emotionally, okay? Uh, he was a, always a TV guy, radio guy. Uh, I grew up in the newspaper business. I kind of had to keep my teams at arm's length for a while. did that for 25 years. When you do that, it's a little hard to get super invested in your teams like you were as a fan, except Ohio State basketball. That's the one I always struggled with. And so Riz is like, what's wrong with you? You're an idiot. Why would you root against Baker? Come on, if he doesn't. Figure this out, and we're going to suck again. Yeah, I get it. That's true. I come at it more from you know a, a, a journalist perspective. Not that Riz is wrong; he's great at what he does. But my perspective is like, look, I, I got to tell you, I got to tell you what I see. I got to tell you what I see. And I've said for a long time, you know, as much as I'd like to see the Browns win a Super Bowl, and as great as it was when the Cavs won a title, and having grown up a Browns fan, that'd be really cool to experience that. I have to tell you what I see, and. After Baker Mayfield's first year, I was like, they got the guy. 
They got the guy. Well, I was premature because everybody's proving ground in the NFL who hits it right away is year two. Because in the offseason, <laughs> I don't know what goes on in the offseason, but a lot of bad things go on in the offseason in the offices of the 31 teams that any player victimizes in their rookie year. Because they figure out a way to force you to find a different way to succeed the way you did as a rookie. They just do. These guys in the NFL, man, they're good at what they do. And if you're great as a rookie, they're going to make you be great in a different way as a second-year player and on and on throughout your career. Now, there are guys who do that, but there are guys who don't. They never quite figure out or adjust to what is going on. Reminder, Trent Richardson had a 1,000-yard year his first year. Baker Mayfield has struggled to mirror the results of his rookie year. And I, th- I don't think you can watch the Browns play and tell me Baker Mayfield is an accurate quarterback. He's not an accurate quarterback. And accuracy, if you're a longtime listener of the We Tackle Life podcast, Spiels and I talk about accuracy all the time as the number one quality a quarterback has to have in the National Football League. And there are other qualities, toughness and anticipation and leadership and all those things. But if you don't have accuracy... You can't succeed. If you don't succeed, you can't be a great team leader. So Baker Mayfield has intermittent accuracy. And that's the worst kind of accuracy. Because you say, well, inaccuracy is the worst kind of accuracy. No, inaccuracy is not the worst kind of accuracy. Because inaccuracy gets you cut. And you don't fool anybody with inaccuracy. Nobody argues, hey, this guy's inaccurate. Let's keep him. (laughs) Let's pay him. No. You're like, get rid of that bum. But the guys who are intermittently accurate are the guys that crush you because they're just good enough to convince you they'll eventually be good enough. But they're also just bad enough to keep both teams in the game. And Baker does that. And Sunday was yet another instance, maybe a very small sample size, but yet another anecdotal contribution to the grand experiment of how many quarterbacks in the AFC are better than Baker Mayfield. And right now, you would have to say, based on that very small sample size, Mac Jones is certainly better than Baker Mayfield in their head-to-head competition because his team won 45-7, to and Mac Jones made at least two throws in that game where I went, whoa. You really have to be accurate to make that throw. And so, Baker Mayfield, pay him, not pay him, extend him, not extend him. My solution would be, I'll give it to you right after I remind you, that Willis Spangler Starling is my solution to whatever legal situation you have. Willis Spangler Starling, located on Truman Boulevard in Hilliard. They're awesome people. They do a great job representing you, guarding your legal rights pressing a legal action on your behalf, wills, estate planning, probate, personal injury, social security disability, workers' comp, all of them, they can do it. They will do it with accuracy, integrity, character, and expertise. We Will they take a case on contingency? Sure. Will they give you a flat fee case? In some cases, yes. Tell them you're a listener to the We Tackle Life podcast, and they will treat you, well, I'm not going to say better than other customers because... That's why they're expanding and growing is because 
they prioritize everyone the same. But they will certainly appreciate that you found them on the We Tackle Life podcast, and I would certainly appreciate you letting them know that. Willis Spangler Starling, online willisattorneys.com, Willis, W-I-L-L-I-S, willisattorneys.com. Okay, what would I do with Baker Mayfield? I would go to Baker Mayfield right now and his agent, and I would say, Baker, you need to have surgery right now. Get right for next year. We need you to start next year. Here's an offer of a two-year contract with a team option for a third year at $20 million a year. $20 million. We are not going to pay you $40 million a year. We are not going to pay you $30 million a year. This contract will be on your desk for three days. If it's not signed and returned to us in three days, we will assume your answer is no, and we will play this out this year, you continuing to play, and then we'll make our decision based upon what we see. Keeping in mind that you could get hurt worse and then go in for surgery, your numbers, your stats, your production would be impacted by an additional injury or an escalation of an injury you have. And because you've delayed the surgery that we recommend you get right now, you will not be available for the start of next season, and that will be a factor that we take into account as we evaluate whether or not we want to offer you a contract for 2022 and beyond. So we believe in you enough that we want to get a longer extended look at you. We will sign you for 2022 and 23 at $20 million per season. There will be a team option for 2023, which will travel with you to another team if we trade you but you will be salaried at that point at you know 20 million plus x percent or whatever will heavily laden the contract with incentives if you're NFL MVP if you lead the league in touchdown to interception ratio if we make the playoffs if you win a playoff game if you win another playoff game blah 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 assuming all that's legal and I haven't researched whether it is or isn't legal but I would assume there's a way to put incentives in a quarterback's contract, but that is what we're going to do. And if you are not willing to do that, if you are not willing to take a chance on us and take a chance on yourself, then that will tell us a little bit about how much you believe in you. You're asking us to believe in you. We have not seen enough yet that we can say that you deserve to be paid like Aaron Rodgers or Matt Ryan or Patrick Mahomes or others because there are quarterbacks out there, Baker, that will be available to us. Aaron Rodgers may be available to us. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo may be available to us. And we are fortunate in that we are loaded with talent at a bunch of positions. And we could afford to sweeten a trade of a first-round draft pick with a pretty good football player at another position in order to get an Aaron Rodgers away from the Green Bay Packers. So, Baker, that is where we are. Two years $20 million per year, team option for 2023, incentives where they're allowed, team option will travel with you in your next contract to your next team if, in fact, we decide to trade you. But who are we going to trade you and play? Case Keenum? Do you fear Case Keenum? Why do you fear Case Keenum? So that is what I would propose for Baker Mayfield. It's not a great situation to be in if you're Baker Mayfield. It's not a great situation to be in if you're the Cleveland Browns. It's a better situation to be in when you are in the position of the Cincinnati Bengals, who play this week at the Las Vegas Raiders. Joe Burrow and company back at it. The Bengals coming off a horrendous loss to the Cleveland Browns. They badly need to get back on the winning beam 
having lost to the New York Jets and the Cincinnati Bengals. Woo! That is some seriously bad mojo for the Cincinnati Bengals, just when I thought the Cincinnati Bengals were figuring it out. But they have some serious issues right now, and Joe Burrow and company need to get that straightened out as they go out to Las Vegas to take on the John Gruden-less Las Vegas Raiders. After that, they go to Pittsburgh and the Chargers. So those next three games will tell us what we have in the Cincinnati Bengals. I don't see them getting to 8-4, and four, but 7-5 and five would be a very, very good position for the Bengals to be as they get ready to face a stretch run that would have them against the Niners at home, at the Broncos, both winnable games, and then three more toughies. Ravens at home, Chiefs at home, Browns on the road. So playoffs are still in play for the Cincinnati Bengals, but they got to get busy. And this game against the Raiders is a game that I think they need to win because it is winnable, and they should be like chomping at the bit to get back out there and get after it, given the fact that they just rolled over and essentially played dead against the Cleveland Browns in their game in Cincinnati two weeks ago. All right. I had uh, a very nice text this morning from a friend of mine. Uh, My friend's name is Steve. Steve lives in Northeast Ohio. Steve and his wife uh, are the owners of AUIinfo.com, the third sponsor of the We Tackle Life podcast. Hopefully by now you understand what kind of business AUIinfo.com is in. They're in the business of helping you find great health insurance. If you're an individual and it's open enrollment, and it is right now until December the 15th, it's the one time a year where you can look and change your health insurance. I get it. You don't want to go online, research it yourself. You don't want to make phone calls. You don't have to. AUIinfo.com will do that for you. Free, always free. They get paid by the companies you select from the options they present to you. Business owners, they'll help you have a survey that your prospective employees can take so you can figure out, what do my employees want? Do they want health insurance? Maybe they'd rather have paid time off. Maybe they'd rather work from home. Maybe they'd rather have flex time. Maybe they'd rather have blah, blah, blah. I don't know. But I I didn't even think of that. That's the brilliance of AUI how they do business, what they do, and how they help you as a business owner or as a person. Back to the text from Steve. The reason why you should give auiinfo.com charge over helping you assess your health insurance as a business owner or an individual is first and foremost, they're just great people. Steve saw the picture of my daughter, Katie, um, and her signing. And he sent me a text and he said, this is awesome. And you guys deserve to have awesome things happen to you. And I thought about that. And I thought, We are having awesome things happen to us. Not my daughter signing to play college soccer. But the awesome things that we have happen to us on a daily basis are that we have friends who would send us a text like that. We have so many friends who care for us and affirm us in joyful situations like yesterday, who pray for us when we're in the midst of difficulty, you know, with some of the health issues that we're battling in our family. Um, But, for you know, and that's all awesome can't be purchased, can't be paid for even if I had the money of the Kardashians or Justin Bieber. You can't buy that. And the other thing is, and this is a pretty good segue into the faith portion of the podcast, we have peace with our life, all five of us in our family, because we know our eternal destiny is settled. And that's a really empowering way to live. 
Something bad could happen to any one of us. Something terribly bad, something ter- tragically bad. It would hurt. It would devastate us. It wouldn't change the reality that our eternal destiny is secure in Christ. That's an amazing thing that you have to hold on to as a believer in the forgiveness and restoration um, made available to all of us by Christ's death on the cross, which gets me into the faith portion of the podcast. And I want to talk about choices. I want to talk about choices. There um, is a school of thought out there that life happens and a lot of it or some of it is beyond our control. And then there's another school of thought out there that says that everything in life is a choice. And there are those who believe that if bad things happen, you brought it on yourself by, you know, making some choices that led you to that. I'm in the middle on that whole either or. Okay. I do believe there are many things that happen to us that are totally beyond our control. And I do believe there are many things that happen to us that are a result of choices that we make. Kyle Rittenhouse is not on trial for shooting two people in Kenosha, Wisconsin, if he didn't go to Kenosha, Wisconsin with a gun. So he made a choice, He and then circumstances intervened, and then he made a choice to protect himself by shooting his gun. We'll see if uh, the jury rules that that's self-defense or not. But here's what I think we need to remember from a uh, spiritual perspective about choices. Um, I recently attended a, uh, a banquet uh, for a team, and it was very clear from attending this banquet that the coach of the team was extremely uncomfortable being in front of people, which that's normal. A lot of people are in uncomfortable speaking in front of people. This coach was so uncomfortable speaking in front of people, I think, not just because of the task of being in front of people, but because he really didn't know what to say. And the reason why he really didn't know what to say was because he had not availed himself of the opportunity as the coach of this particular team to really get to know the players that he was coaching. It's the first banquet I've ever been to where the only things said from the podium were, here are our letter winners for year one, for year two, for year three, for year four. Here are our all-league players. Here are our all-district players. Thank you for coming. Have a nice night. There were no individual awards. There were no fun awards. Um, There was no talk about the high point of the season, the low point of the season, the adversity that the team went through, experienced, overcame, succumbed to. There was no observation of an individual on the team. This person on the team has a great attitude. They're a pleasure to coach because. This person on the team is very accomplished at this particular skill. It was amazing to watch how hard they worked to develop that skill. That skill really helped us in this area. Here's another person on the team. We'll have them back on the team next year. We're really looking forward to that because this is what they offer us tangibly or intangibly. Nothing. Nothing like that. Zero. I'm not exaggerating. There was nothing. This coach literally could have gone out onto the highway 
flagged down a car, paid somebody $20, told them to go inside, read the names on this list, thank everybody for coming, and everything that he accomplished by being at the meeting would have been accomplished by this person who got paid $20 from off the street to do it. I've thought a lot about that. And I feel bad for the people on the team because when you play on a team, you have the expectation that the coach will invest in you, care about you, care about the team, not just winning or losing, but care about you, care about developing you as a player, as a person. There was no evidence that that occurred on this particular team. That's sad. And as a outgrowth of that, I could understand if the parents who were there that night were very upset because parents tend to get upset when they feel like their children have been shortchanged. The players on that team were shortchanged. But as I reflected on it, I realized that it was, while sad for the players and the parents, it's more sad for the coach himself and the coach's staff. Because what I know from having the benefit of working for PressProsMagazine.com is that there are a ton of great coaches out there. And I don't mean they're great coaches because they win state championships. They do, but I would argue that's not why they win state championships. <laughs> they win state championships or league championships or district championships or, yes, finish 10 games under 500, yet still have successful seasons because they understand that not only do they owe the players on their team an investment in the team dedicated to helping them become better athletes, dedicated to helping them become better young men or young women, the coaches understand that not investing in those student-athletes cheats the coach out of the overwhelming benefit of coaching. Just as a coach can and does have a lifelong impact on a player, a player can have a lifelong impact on a coach. But a coach cannot be a dry sponge, unwilling to soak up anything from the players that they coach. A coach must be a sponge that is prepared to absorb as much as possible from the players they coach. I think I presented that visual wrong now that I think about it. The coach can't, I was going to say the coach can't be a crusty old dry sponge because you think a coach who doesn't, you know, interact as a curmudgeon and is crusty and dry. Actually, a coach needs to be a dry sponge, one that's willing to soak up things from their players. A wet sponge full of self, whatever, full of self, selfishness, can't absorb anything from their players. And that's my overriding, most powerful takeaway from that banquet that I was to, which gets me back to choices. And that is a choice that that coach chose to make. And it's sad to me because it's clear that that probably, that choice is probably rooted in that coach 
being hurt at some point in their life, being scarred at some point in their life by something that went on in their life that has closed them off and, and convinced them, I would argue wrongly, that they are going to be better off not risking their emotions on allowing anyone in, not risking the chance of letting anyone get to know them. And that choice will forever, as long as that coach coaches, keep that coach from getting out of coaching what really should be the joy of coaching. And so I thought about choices and the choice that coach has made and how many choices we make in our life that lead us to an outcome that is unpleasant. And had we chosen differently, more wisely, more judiciously, more humbly, the result could have been totally different. Um, My daughter had a bunch of teammates come to her signing day. I found that very interesting because the signing day happened an hour after school let out. I will admit some of the girls came to that because it was the the signing itself was timed just before the start of basketball practice. But some of the teammates who came to my daughter's signing had been out of school for an hour and were still, you know, dressed like they were going to school, but they hung out around the school for an hour to come to her signing. Now, my daughter, as many of you know, is homeschooled. So she has literally never sat in a high school class with any of these girls. And so I thought, as a dad, I sat there and I thought, why are all these kids here? They don't know my daughter except for the teams they've played on with her. Their only exposure to her is as a teammate. And so they have chosen to give us their time to come today and share in this moment solely because of the relationship my daughter has with them as a teammate. And I hearken back to something that my daughter told me after her freshman year. She was a starter on the varsity as a freshman. She had a pretty good year for a freshman. It was pretty apparent that she would start for the rest of her career, and it was pretty apparent that she had the potential to be a transformative player on the team. The team was in transition. A lot of the players who had played that year that she started as a freshman were graduating. She was going to have a bigger role the next year. And so, you know, Dad, Mr. Sports Guy, I went to her and I said, what are your goals for next year? And she said to me, I'll never forget this, she said, my goal is to make sure that none of the freshmen on the team ever feel again like I was made to feel last year by the upperclassmen. And I've watched her hair flying, <laughs> cleats throwing dirt and dust and artificial turf pellets as <laughs> she bolts down the field to score 75 goals probably in her life in club soccer and high school soccer. I can't envision she could ever do anything on the field that would make me more proud of her than that answer that she gave me to what her goal was going into the next season because I knew that she understood service. 
she understood leadership, that leadership is about serving others. That is a choice she made. She didn't make that choice because I told her to. She didn't make that choice. She made that choice on her own. God put that on her heart through the way she studies her Bible and the way she's prioritized serving others, that that is what was most important to her. And to see all those teammates show up at her signing and to realize that she's recognized her ultimate goal, not to be first team all league X number of times, not to be first team all district, not to get a scholarship, not to, not to, not to do anything, but to be something. A leader that has made a difference and impacted the people that God put in her life. And so I would say that she has done exactly what Joshua challenged the Israelites to do in Joshua 24, 15, where at the end of his life, he addressed the Israelites and he basically called them to account on how they were going to comport themselves going forward without his leadership. And he said to them, choose this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So I'm very glad that my daughter is close enough to God that she figured that out, that serving is about sacrificing and prioritizing others. And a lot of times the things we choose are the things that bring us comfort and ease. I know in my life everything that I've gained in terms of spiritual insight, personal growth has resulted from things that I would have avoided if I could have. And there are a lot of bad choices in the world that lead people to bad results. There's a verse in Proverbs that resonates with me in our current culture where so many poor decisions by people lead to bad outcomes. And the verse reads as this, I, think it's, I believe it's Proverbs 19.3, a man's own folly ruins his life, but his heart rages against the Lord. There are some things in life that are terrible and they happen and they're unfair and they happen and there are things we don't understand that happen and there's some things that you know we can't predict or prevent that happen. We can't make those things or not make those things happen, but we can always choose purposefully how we respond to them. And in Proverbs 1, God, God promises us how he'll respond if we respond, if we choose to respond wisely. He says in Proverbs 1, if you had responded to my rebuke, I would have poured out my heart to you and made my thoughts known to you. What greater blessing could we have in our life than to know the thoughts of God and to have such an intimate relationship with him that he would pour out his heart to us. That might be why, in fact, I think it is why, he also says through his prophets that we are to rejoice in our suffering because we are blessed to share in the fellowship of his suffering. So those are the thoughts that I had in the aftermath of my daughter's signing day. I think it's interesting that Tom Ryan, the head wrestling coach at Ohio State, titled his book, Chosen Suffering. It's a great book. Tom's a great man. He has come to that same realization that I have, that a lot of times the things that we would choose to avoid, the suffering we would choose to avoid, is the very thing we grow the most from. And really, that's what God is after. 
He's after our maximum growth so that we can glorify him with all that we do. And with that, I will bid you adieu on a Wednesday edition of the We Tackle Life podcast and look forward to what? Ohio State basketball on Thursday night against Xavier. And uh, by the way, that Ohio State basketball schedule just got a whole lot tougher. A whole, 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 whole lot tougher because Seton Hall won at Michigan, at number four Michigan. And Ohio State is going to play Xavier, and they're going to play Seton Hall, and they're going to play Cal or Florida, and they're going to play Duke. So, yikes. Um, That's a topic for another day. And until that day comes, God bless you. Thanks for your time. Have a great day.